Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I feel it, it is a real honor to be here tonight to take communion with you. To me, communion is very, very, very special. Um, and like Pastor said, God woke me up and he just, all these scriptures started running through my head and it's just like, okay. Um, there are going to be people this weekend, they're going to watch the movie, whatever, about Jesus' crucifixion. I don't know what they all have, but there are going to be people that are going to be watching as best as man can, you know, do it. They're going to see it and they're going to, they're going to feel passion and they're going to feel sorrow and they're going to feel like he really did all this for me and he was the lamb that was slayed from what the so before the world ever was put in motion before the first thing was ever laid to even have a world he knew what he was about to do that he was going to die for mankind okay and so with that in mind, there are a lot of people that they're going to be crying. They're going to even ask God to forgive them. And Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done. And, and I'm sorry for what I've done. And they're going to feel good because you can't do anything with God and not feel good. But you got to understand something. He died for the whole world, yes. But what he did for us does not become a part of us. Until we experience what he did for us. What do you mean? Well, in, in yeah, I don't got it up there, but in Matthew, not Matthew, in Mark chapter um, 16 and verse 15, it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the disciples were adamant about why was it so important to preach the gospel? To these people, okay? Jesus, before, he just got done feeding like 5,000 people. Um, pull up John chapter uh, 6, uh, verse 53, we'll start at. And, and there, Jesus begins, he's talking to all these religious people. He's just got done doing a, a bunch of neat things, but now he's, he is um, talking to these religious people. And look what he says, he says, then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say, oh no, John, yeah, 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 okay. Okay, I say unto thee, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have what? In other words, he was saying, before anything is going to happen with you or for you or to you, you got to experience or do something. And here, and Pastor's going to finish up talking about a remembrance of eating and drinking of his flesh and blood, but it goes on. So, see, he might have died for the whole world, but nobody can experience what he really did until they partake of his flesh and his blood. So, how are we going to do this? Okay, going on to 53, we'll take it all the way to 56. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. Whoa. So if you don't do that, you don't have 
eternal life. It's real simple. It's not hard to understand. And he goes on to say, and I will raise him up at the last day. Remember in the book of Acts, he says, I am coming for a people, what? Call by my name. Very important. 55. It says, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. 56. He that eateth and drinketh my or excuse me, he that eateth and drink, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood. Slow down, okay, I'm, okay, so slow down, slow down, slow down. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Once again, he's basically repeating himself. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not in me and I'm not in you. But if you do, you're in me and I'm in you. See, so there's all these people that they feel the, the compassion, they feel sorrowful, but without being a partaker, they got nothing. They're, they're, it's like having a car with no gas and oil in it. It's no good to you until you put some oil in the engine and gas in the tank. And Jesus' crucifixion helps nobody until they experience his flesh and blood. So how do we do this? In the book of Matthew, chapter 18 and verse 3, it's talking about children here. It says, And said, Verily I say unto thee, or unto you, except ye be, what? Converted and become as a little as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Put up John 3, 5 right away. That, that ain't up there, but it's, it's going to say the same thing. Here it says, you got to become as a child. And in John 3, 5, it tells us, except ye be born of water and spirit, ye cannot enter the kingdom. Same thing, just different way of doing it. You got to become like a child. And, and then it goes on to say, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Remember, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, but it's talking about a conversion. Something's got to happen in our lives so we can be a partaker of what he did. He did it for the whole world, but until we align our life to partake of what he did, we're just kind of out there. We don't really, you can't really, remember when I told everybody, if you were here Wednesday night, I, I, I related to everybody that when Pastor Kylie baptized me, it felt like I was under the water forever. And when he brought me up, it felt like God took a big bottle, baby bottle brush and scrubbed out my innards. See, I felt his forgiveness when I repented. But I didn't feel no remission of sins. Huh? Until I was what? Baptized or born of the water. Why? Because now I become a part of what he accomplished at Calvary. See, so there's a lot of people that are out there that love God and everything else, but they really don't know what it's like to love God and live for God until they experienced what he has done for them. And you can't have no part until you experience that. It's very important. That's why they were adamant about 
baptism in the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 16, Acts 19, Acts 22. They make sure that if you got one, we're not leaving you there. We ain't going to leave you half done, girl. We're going to make sure you get the whole deal. Because they want you to be born of water and of spirit. Not, we ain't going to get you halfway home. We ain't going to do you no good. Okay? So, okay. Uh, mm. Where are we going? Uh, Luke, Luke, Luke. But go to 32. I wrote down 33, I think. Luke 22 and 32. Um, I wrote down the wrong scripture, I think, for you. So just go to 32, not, not 33. Because that's the wrong. Jesus is talking to Peter here. And, and Jesus is warning Peter about, you know, you're going to deny me three times. But this is what he says in, in Luke um, 22 and 32. Um, but I have prayed for thee. This is, this is Jesus talking to Peter. I've prayed for thee. He's like, remember, Jesus is fixing to leave the scene. He's trying to do whatever he can to encourage these 12 guys because he knows that they trust in his flesh. But the flesh ain't going to be here much longer. And he says, I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art what? Strengthen thy brother. What do you mean? Peter's got to be converted? Come on. Peter's lived with him, ate with him, slept with him, and he's got to be converted? See, because he hasn't partaken of what Jesus hasn't done yet. Jesus hasn't been to the cross yet. And he hasn't partaken of it. He couldn't partake of it. Because you can't get anything from the new will and testament until the testator dies. There's that death thing again. Got to die. Nothing happens in God unless you die, unless he died. That, that's what changes everything. Amen? So, um, okay. John. Yes, John 12, 40. We're talking about conversion, okay? John 12 and 40 says, He that blindeth their eyes and hardeneth their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I shall heal them. That goes all the way, you don't need to go there, but that goes all the way back to Isaiah 6 verses 9 and 10. That's where that scripture is pulled from. But see, if a person don't want to be a part of what God's doing, he will allow their eyes to be blind and their ears to be deaf. Even though it's like a parable. Jesus spoke all these wonderful things, but without a hunger for the things of God, they just like go right over their head. Even the disciples sometimes had to go to Jesus and say, what are you talking about? And he explained, well, you know, the seed is the word of God and the sower, it just throws it out there and the, the different four types of ground, that's the soil, the different hearts of the people. So there's all these things going on. But remember, we gotta be converted. Amen? Otherwise, okay, um, I got on my notes. Uh, oh, now we're going into John. Okay, Jesus this is at the Last Supper, okay? And God just, you know how many times I read the Bible? A lot, okay? And he just keeps showing you new stuff all the time. I've been serving God for 38 years, 37 years. And I'm never going to get to the end of it. I'm just first scratching the beginning of it. And so 
the next five chapters, God, this is, this is from when Jesus sat down to eat with them till he got ready to walk and go to the garden. Chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17 are all last minute instructions to the 11 because remember Judas scooted out to do what he was going to do but he's trying to build up these 12 or 11 guys because he knew that he was ready to go. Okay, and there was going to be nobody. They're going to, because they trusted in his flesh, but his flesh ain't going to be there. Okay, so he's giving them last minute instructions like, it's going to be okay. Just trust me. Peter, I've prayed for you. Let your faith take you through. Okay, so um, John 13 and 1. Okay, it says, now before the feast, amen, of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Oh. He said, I'm taking this all the way through. I ain't going to leave nothing undone. I'm taking it to the end. Amen. Next verse. Amen. We're still in John 13, but we're going to 19. Now I tell you before it comes, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am. And see, the he, what is it? It's parenthesized. That means it was added. He said that she believed that I am, which goes back to Exodus 3 and 14 when Moses is going, well, who should I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am has sent you. So he's trying to help them to see that I am the God of creation. I have come to set you free. I'm going to shed my blood. Oh, put that up. This is, real. This is good. If you, if you have, um, uh, what are them guys? Jehovah Witnesses, okay? They don't believe Jesus is really nothing. Go to um, Acts chapter 20 and 28. This is really neat because it says that God, God, the big G-O-D, shed his own blood. Oh, but God's a spirit. How can, he, how can a spirit shed blood? Well, really, the Spirit just manifested himself in the flesh, became a man, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, and he can shed his blood. But this is, so this is what you share with a Jehovah Witness. You know, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of, what? God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Wow. Yeah, this is awesome. It just got so neat. You know, you just share this with people. It's just like, see, God shed his own blood. But God's a spirit, so how did he do it? He became a man and dwelt among us. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. 14. I think we're in John 14 now. Get sidetracked. I'm sorry. Just, God's word is so awesome. It's just like neat. Okay, look at. 14.1 says, let not your hearts be what? 
troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Remember, I'm the, I am. He's fixing to go. So he's trying to let these guys know. And you know, when, uh, when a Jewish man would be espoused to his wife, or, you know, they're not men and women yet, they're just espoused, like Joseph was espoused to Mary, okay, but then she was with child and all this, and he was going to put her away. But Joseph's building a house so he can take mama home, you know. We're going to have a house. So what does it say? Just, it, I can't remember the verse. Was it five or six? Where, where I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. See, Jesus is espoused to us when we become a part of the covenant. And we're waiting for the wedding feast to happen. So he went away to prepare a place for us. It's, it's someplace right there in, in 14, right in the beginning. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. You've, you've all read it before. I go, don't, you know, don't be troubled. Maybe it was verse 3 or 4. <sighs> Two? Three? Okay, verse 3. Well, you guys know it. Okay? So, Jesus said, you know, I'm going to go away to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. Okay. Go to 17 and 18 now. He's encouraging his disciples, okay? And here he says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, why? Because it seeth him not. Well, how can you see a spirit? Well, let's just keep reading. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Well, if I believe that for the way it's written and for what it says, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I am with you, but I'm going to be in you. Remember when I was talking about light and the one scripture said that God was light that we may know light? See, without God, we're not even in the little thing. We got to have light before we can see the light for what it really is. And Jesus made himself real to these men. In verse 18, it just gets better. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Remember, he's fixing to take off. And he's trying to encourage these boys. It's going to be all right. Okay? So, um, John 15 and 1 then. Use the first verse. You need to go home tomorrow or Easter time or Sunday or whenever. You need to sit down with your family and read these chapters. Just maybe not all at one time, but when you start reading and seeing what Jesus is trying to get across to those 11 men right before he was getting ready to go up, it was just like, wow. He's just laying this all out for them. So they be of good comfort, okay? Anyway, here it says, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Amen? Or the spirit is the husbandman. And then, next verse. Okay. 19 again. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So if people get all kind of crinkly about how you live your life, don't worry about it. 
the Bible tells us that the world ain't gonna care for your kind. I, I ain't here to please the world. I'm here to please Jesus. Amen? And, and he has done way, way more for any of us than we could ever, ever, ever do. And, okay. So, where are we going after this? Okay, 16.1. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. In other words, he was letting them know what things are going to happen. And we're going to find out in, in, in verse 2 that the religious people are going to be the ones giving you the problems. Look at this. Verse 2. They shall what? Put you out of the synagogue or church what they call a church, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you, well, that's really being nice, will think that he doth God service. In other words, they're going to be so far from God that they can kill you and persecute you and they think they're doing something for God. That kind of sounds like a guy called Saul. And Saul went with a vengeance to persecute the church until he had an encounter with God. And what happened in that encounter? A man called Ananias prayed that he might receive his sight and said, Ananias, you're going to receive, or not Ananias, but Saul, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get you baptized in Jesus' name. What happened? He just entered into the covenant. He, he just like consummated his in spousal to the master and it changed his life forever but before that you understand something Jesus died for him just like he died for everybody else but he couldn't experience what God did until he experienced what he needed to do to get connected to God he had to be born of the water born of the spirit he had to be what converted it went from a man that knew the word of God to a man that knew the God of the word and it changed everything and remember back I, I, I didn't bring it out but remember back when we were talking about the you were in the world and in all that stuff but you're not of the world remember what I said about the moon and the sun the more worlds you have the less moon you have but if you get the world out of the way and let the reflection of the sun, S-O-N, shine through you, you will be like a full moon. Amen? So, okay, now we're at the middle of 16 someplace. Um, 16, 16, yeah. A little while and ye shall not see me. He's, he's just laying it right out, man. A little while, you guys ain't gonna see me, okay? And a little while ye shall see me. Well, that's, that's nice. Because I go to the Father. So he's trying to encourage them and just comfort them because he knows it's only a matter of a few hours and it's all over. It, he's going to be gone. Okay? Um, 17, I think, unless we got any more in 16. That's okay. 17, 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. This is kind of like, the whole chapter 17 is like Jesus' prayer for his disciples. And not only his disciples, but for you and me also. Okay? He lifts up his eyes, and they're, they're listening to him pray. He ain't praying quietly. 
okay? He was praying so they could hear him. You know why I know? Because how could John write what he prayed or put the word down if he couldn't hear him? So obviously they heard what Jesus was saying and he wrote it down. So Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. Now we're going to get into the name. I love the name. The name's awesome. Amen. Going on. Verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me, what? Out of the world. In other words, these were men that were in the world, but he pulled them out, and Jesus started to impart in them the things of God. Amen? Going on. Thine they were. No, wait, I got to finish that one. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, we're halfway through that verse. Okay, back to six. I'm sorry, I'd, I should have this in my brain, but it ain't there. So I need to, okay. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they, what? Have kept thy word. So if we're going to be God's, we're going to have to keep his word. That's why David said, I hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. If you don't know the word of God, then you're going to be in trouble because anybody can tell you anything and you could believe it. But you need the truth, the word of God, so you know what is right and what is wrong. Amen? Amen. Next verse. Okay. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. Sorry, guys. We're stuck here. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep um, through thy own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may, what? Be one as we are. Amen? So, his whole prayer is, I want them to be just like me so we can all be one. Amen? There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and one God who's Father of all, who's above all, who's through all, who's in you all. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God's so good. Next. Next verse. I have given them thy word. And that's what we're supposed to do to the people. Give them God's word. And the world hath hated them. There that thing is again. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Next verse. I pray not that thou... Oh, yo, we're going all the way to 20 now. This is good. It just gets... He's got awesome prayer. This is Jesus praying for us, okay? I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Sorry, guys. You can't get saved and go home. You got to stay here. But that thou shouldest keep them from evil. So God saves us so we can be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. It'd be nice just to get saved and go home, but it don't work that way. And the world don't like you, so get over it. It's just the way it is. Okay, next verse, 16. They are not of the world, amen, there's no world in them. So it's all Jesus shining in them, okay? They're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. 17. 
Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So to be sanctified or to be set apart for God's use, how does it happen? Through his word. That's why the word's so important. You need to know the word. Man, study it, eat it, live it, love it. Just consume it. Amen? Mm. Going ahead. Um, 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So guess what? When God saves us and sets us apart and sanctifies us, what, what, for what reason? To send us out into this world so we can affect the world like he affected the world. And we all know what they did to Jesus. Amen. Go on 19 and then we'll get to 20. It's just good. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to do all that I can to make myself the best I can be so that they can carry it on. So if Jesus had to do that for them, we're going to have to do it for each other. How would you guys be living for God if pastor's up here, but you all know, no, I'm, I'm just making this up, okay? So just don't get all bent out of shape. But if you all knew that, you know, when pastor left here, that he didn't go home, you know, they drove separate tonight or whatever. So, so he went to the bar and then he found some, you know, whatever, and he's shacking up with somebody. You'd have a lot of faith in him, wouldn't you? No. But Jesus says, I'm going to do my utmost, my very best, so that those that follow me will do the same. You can only lead people where you're at. So if you're leading, if you're going on the wrong road, guess where you're leading your, the people that are following you? Down the wrong road. So we got to make sure we do what's right. Man, uh, one story from Antigua, okay? There's this guy, every, every Saturday, man, he's passing out tracks, passing out tracks, passing out tracks, trying to be religious. Don't be religious, be Jesus, amen? I, we lived right on the main corner of one of the main roads in Antigua. I mean, we, and we had a balcony, two-story house. You, you remember it, you know, big. And um, this guy pulled up to the stoplight, and this lady comes, smashed into the back of this guy's car and he gets out of the car and he's cussing and cursing and just chewing her out guess who it was the guy that passes out tracks all the time I wanted to walk over and say sir I said are you hurt is she hurt who cares about a car you can fix that nobody's hurt is that the Jesus you serve that when somebody offends you, doesn't say to pray for your enemies? But see, because I knew what he did and I was watching him, it's like, if I want to follow God, I'm not going to follow him because obviously he's got some issues. Amen? And if anybody ever offended you, take it to Jesus and leave it there. Amen? And pray for him. Don't worry about it. Jesus, 
got beat up bad and all he could say is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they don't know what I'm doing up on this cross either. I am dying so they can be set free. Amen. Going on to, um, did we do that one? 20. This is the most, that's the best part of the whole prayer. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall what? Believe on me through their words. Wow. That's just awesome. Now, I think it's 18 and 1, right? Is that, that where we're going? So we just looked at all these chapters and what Jesus was saying. Now look at this. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 were nothing but things that Jesus shared with his disciples before he ever even went to the garden. It was from supper time to garden time. Five chapters of what Jesus was trying to instill. That's why I said you need to read the whole chapters. I just picked out little nuggets. But you need to read the whole, all those chapters and find out what Jesus was trying to get across to them so they would keep faith to continue to follow him. Amen? And see, it's all about entering into this covenant so we can partake of his flesh, his body, and his blood. That's what it's all about. Amen? Isn't God awesome? Okay, it's tag team time. God is awesome, Brother Smith. Amen. Well, I'm going to share just a couple of pieces. I've got two parts to this I'm going to share with you. Brother Smith and I got together and shared our heart and what we felt God gave us for, for tonight. And it is a special night. It's a solemn evening. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being reverent and, 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 and feeling a bit of a solemn spirit. I don't, do you feel that? I do. I really do. And... Um, because we begin to contemplate and we think about this time. You know, I talked about celebrating on Sunday and celebrating the resurrection and what a joy that is. And, and we're going to have a great time in the Lord on, on Sunday. But there's just something special about this night. And, uh, of course, you know that Jesus was experiencing all this and was at the supper. It was They were commemorating Passover, the time when the Jews were instructed in Egypt to take the lamb's blood, place it on the lintels and the doorposts to the house. And I think you remember last year I, I modeled that for you. You know, if you imagine that doorpost, um, the, the, the head over the top is called the lintel, and then you have the post on either side. And so they had to take a blot of blood, and they had to put one here, and they had to put one here, and then they had to put one up here. And that was a type and shadow of what we were to see because that crown of thorns and that spike in each wrist was going to leave a blot of blood here and a blot of blood here and one up here. And, and so they were commemorating this very important night in, in Jewish history, the time when the Jews were freed from Egypt 
and, uh, and you remember the story. Uh, and so it's not accidental that that was happening at that time because obviously, as Brother Smith said, uh, he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He's the lamb, the blood whose blood is being applied to the doorposts of our home and our, and our church and our lives. That's that doorpost of, of our life is being applied tonight. So I just want to share a, a couple of quick points. I'm going to go in two places. The first one I'm going to go is, is uh, John chapter 12 also. And I want to talk about Judas for just a moment, just a brief moment, and I want you to understand something about Judas. Judas doesn't get talked a lot about in this story, except that we know him as the betrayer, we know him as the bad guy, and, and, and of course that's terrible. Sometimes I ponder, and I've asked pastors this before, do you ever think of Judas as kind of a key man in the deal? He needed, we needed a betrayer. We needed someone to participate in this role in order for Jesus to be sacrificed, do you realize if that we didn't have the betrayer to betray Jesus and have him taken into custody, Jesus would be a suicide victim. And so Judas played a very interesting role, but was he redeemable also? Let's read John chapter 12, verse 4. It says, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare that was, that w- what was put therein. And then Jesus said, let her alone against the day of my burying hath she kept this. Now this is Mary. They're, they had just, he had just resurrected Lazarus. He's in Bethany and just resurrected Lazarus from the dead. And it, it, they're in the house and, and Martha is serving and Mary gets, you know the story, Mary gets the ointment, the, they call it spike nard and she's, She's weeping at his feet, anointing his feet, and, and using her hair to clean that up and, 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 and to, to anoint him. And, and so, of course, that is a type and shadow of the anointing of the burial process. And that's what he basically said. Let her alone against, against the day of my burying has she kept this. But interesting that we see now Judas pops up. And it says that we're told that the reason he said that he wasn't worried about the poor, he was, he was the guy that carried the bag. What that meant was he had the purse for the disciples. He was a trusted disciple so much so he had the money. But it says he was a thief. The money corrupted him. And so he was more worried about that because he wanted to be able to probably snip a little bit out of there himself instead of throwing it away on worthless ointment. Right away we get that first picture. Now if you go over to John chapter 13... 13 and 1 says this, it's, it's at the Last Supper, it says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was, was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. We just heard that from Brother Smith. It says, And supper being ended, listen now, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So first... Judas exhibits some bad issues, some bad behaviors. See, Jesus knew something was going on behind the scenes. So some greed had come in, some bad things had come in. Judas had accepted. How did Judas get to be a disciple if he was a bad dude from the beginning? There's no way, right? So much so was he trusted that he carried the purse of the disciples. Well, now he he expressed that terrible comment when, when, when Mary was anointing him 
preparing for the burial, a beautiful one. This is, this is Judas's Lord and Savior. This is, this is the man, the master that he served. And he's standing there going, why are you wasting that money on that ointment? When, you know, we could use that for the poor. So immediately, he devalues Jesus. He, he, he exposes of himself that some other type of spirit, some other type of attitudes have come into his life. And then in verse 13, we see that so much so now, so badly so, that it says that the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So now, he was already starting to move towards the things of the enemy. The devil was working in his life. Then the devil put something into his heart to betray Jesus. Now turn over to John chapter 13, go to verse 25. <clears throat> This is continue on. This is still the this is still the, the supper. Now I want to point this out, and I know Brother Kylie's preached this before. They're 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 sitting at the table. They're breaking bread one another. We know that's going to be symbolic, and we're going to talk about it here in just a minute with the elements. But the breaking of the bread and the sop is very symbolic of breaking the breaking of his body is about to come. But it's a very special ritual. What was happening? A, a thing that they did, and so they would take these pieces of bread and they would dip them in the soup. They call that the sop, and then they would eat the bread. But a real act of contrition, a real act of love would be to stand with your brother or your sister and take that sop and dip it in there and hand it over to your brother first. And that was a sign of love and, and honor. And, and, um, uh, and, and so he, he's uh, in, in this process, and it says in verse 25, and so Verse 25, he says, and then lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, now this is Peter now who's, who's resting with him and, and, and lying on his shoulder. It says, and then lying on his Jesus' breast, on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? He's wanting to know because Jesus has announced that somebody's going to betray me. 26 says, Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, now here it is. After the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that that thou doest, do quickly. So he went from exhibiting some poor behavior. Something happened to Judas in this process that was not good. He became greedy, maybe holding the purse, whatever it may be. But something happened to him and he changed. And so he was already on the wrong track. And just a little while later, something happened and he made, he made the wrong move, dishonored God, and Satan put something into his heart. And in this verse, now, after Jesus hands him the sop and says, I love you, I honor you, Judas, he's giving him every opportunity. He knew that Judas was the betrayer. He knew what was happening from the time when Mary was anointing his feet. And he gave him every opportunity, and yet he, re he refused it, and at this point, it says that Satan entered into him. He flirted with something a while ago. He continued on in the plan, and Satan put something into his heart, and then Satan entered himself. And so as the, as the story goes on, and you know it well, they didn't understand 
When Jesus said that to the when Jesus said that to Judas, the disciples didn't understand. They thought Jesus was telling them to go do something because he he was the guy that had the purse. They thought he was telling them to go buy something for the supper or pay for it or something like that, and they didn't never understand. Even though Jesus sat there and said, "The person who who I'm going to stop with is my betrayer." Now later on, in the garden, and I won't belabor that part of our crossover there, Brother Smith, but in the garden. Who is it that brings the soldiers? It's Judas. And Judas goes and stands by him. And one more time, he has the opportunity to redeem himself. And he doesn't do it. But Jesus doesn't curse him. Jesus doesn't attack him. Jesus says nothing. Even when he's being taken into custody, he doesn't attack Judas. So I just wanted to share that thought with you about Judas because I think just like this time, this, this, this service that we're about to conduct is a remembrance and it's a reminder, but I think the story of Judas is an important reminder. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful what we mess with, what attitude. See, it started with Judas getting an attitude. I carry the bag. I'm important. There was greed. There was something there. But we got to listen to God because every chance he had, Jesus just kept coming back to him and kept loving him and kept redeeming him. See, even though he got selected to be the guy that had to be the betrayer, he wasn't born to go to hell. He wasn't destined to die that way. He could have redeemed himself. Peter, Peter redeemed himself. Peter denied Christ three times as well, just like Judas, three times. He did bad, and then, the, then Satan put something in his heart, and then Satan entered his heart. But see, even Peter redeemed himself after denying three times. He repented and wept and poured over what he did wrong. But Judas didn't. He made the wrong choices. Was it pride? Was it fear? Was it arrogance? All of the above? I think that's just as much of a memorial and a reminder to us as well. And I just wanted to share that with you tonight. Lastly, I'm just going to give you these three points. If you want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, again, many of you know this very well. I want to point out something very important about this process as well. First of all, taking your communion, remembering the Last Supper. First of all, it is a reminder to us again that we need to always, always be dependent on Jesus. No matter what's happening in your life, no matter how well things are going or how poor things are going, he just wants you to be dependent on him. When we get to a place when everything is just rolling so good and we got all the money we need and all the house we need and all the job we need and everything's going great and we start just kind of slipping away, that's when bad things start happening. And church, I love you. My brothers and sisters, and I'm just, I just want you to understand Always be on watch. Always be careful because no matter how things are going, if they're going well, if you're being richly blessed and things are going so well, be careful to be dependent on God no matter what. That's what this commemorates. He says in verse 24, do this in remembrance of me. Never forget. Never forget this night. Never forget the night that we all sat at the table and, and, and communed with one another and we watched the betrayer sop with our Lord and Savior and go through with it and we didn't get a clue. We didn't have an idea. Remember this night. 
Another point, I'll go back to, you don't have to go there, but Luke chapter 22 talks about Judas and what he said. And in Luke 22, uh, 21 and 23 just reveals that we have to remember, we have to check our devotion to Jesus. Something happened there with Judas. Again, I'm just touching on that. Where he was more worried about what his greed or whatever the situation was. When, 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 when Mary started to anoint his feet, regardless of what she spent on him or what was invested in, in blessing him and anointing him, every, every disciple should have been standing in there saying, yes, yes, well, how can we contribute? What can we do? You hear me now? When we give to the kingdom, when we give to our Savior, we should be standing there going, what more can I do? What more can I, I want to be like Mary. I want to anoint his feet. I want to help this process. I want to be a minister. I want to do more for the Lord. This is a check of our devotion to Jesus Christ. If you stop and you say, well, I don't want to do that, that's not my job. I'm not worried about that that's going on with the ministry of the church. Be careful. You check your devotion to Jesus Christ because if something is working in his favor to honor him and bless him and bless his kingdom, our attitude should be, what can I do? What can I do? I imagine myself being there in that room. And we talk about Mary and Martha. Martha's serving, but Mary's worshiping. And I've pictured myself being in that room watching Mary do that and just kind of going... What, what can, can I get something? What can I do? Can, should I wipe some, you know, is there, can I get some more oil? You know what I'm saying? Be desperate. Be desperate to show your devotion to Jesus. And finally, and we'll lead this into our next part, to our next part, this night is a reminder, it's our opportunity to make things right. Judas had so many opportunities. There's more to it, but I, I didn't want to double our time with, with the awesome message that Brother Smith brought but he had so many opportunities, even up until the point where he left out of the room, went out into the night, and decided to hang himself. Do you understand, no matter where you are, what's happened, what's been done, what a family member has done, wherever place they are, if, you, if anyone ever gets to that point, you still have the opportunity for redemption because Jesus never once never once condemned Judas. In all the time acknowledging and knowing what he was about to do, it says it again and again, he knew who he was. He knew what he was about to do, but not once did he condemn him. We all have the opportunity to redeem. Just keep that in mind. 1 Corinthians 11 and 23, I'll read this section for you. It says this, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, Now, this is Paul talking. Brother Smith and I talked about this. You realize the Apostle Paul never spent any time with Jesus in the flesh, right? Totally different time frame. But he says this. For I have received of the Lord that which also I have delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do I, excuse me, this do in remembrance of me. So Paul, who was never there, is quoting exactly what had gone on. I think something very profound and amazing happened on the road to Damascus. He's quoting this exactly as though he were in the room at the time. But that line in verse 24 says, this do in remembrance of me. So this is a memorial. Like Brother Smith said, 
This is a, a memorial, and it's an important memorial because it keeps it fresh in our mind, the redemptive power of Jesus, the message that was, at, that was there. If you're faced with a betrayer, if somebody in here hurt you, if somebody here put something in, stabbed you in the back, did something to you, Jesus took the greatest betrayal that we could ever experience. How much more can we decide in our hearts that it's not worth it, it's worthless? The anger and the hurt and the fear and the pain that we feel, it cannot possibly imagine until we ever compare to what happened on that cross. We have to memorialize this so that every time, because we're going to continue to bump into one another. We're going to step on toes. Lord knows how many people in this room have I offended in one way or another or hurt one way or another, inadvertently, in a bad attitude, in a rush of emotion. I don't know. But I can tell you that deeply within my heart, if I know it, and it's brought to me, I want to make it right and I want to redeem it because if Jesus can forgive me for all the things that I have done and say nothing to me and condemn me for nothing and hang on that cross and say, I'll be your savior, I'll be your savior, Russ. I can certainly do that and humble myself. So the memorial aspect of this is so critical. Verse 25, after the same manner also he took the cup and what he had supped saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. That's Paul quoting exactly what happened in that room. He wasn't anywhere near there. What an amazing, wonderful thing. Verse 27, wherefore whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Okay, now, it's a memorial, but listen to this. Now, a memorial, we're thinking, well, it's just kind of ceremony. It's just kind of something we do for the remembrance. There's not, there's typically not a lot of weight given to something we just do as a memorial, right? We, we have a memorial for 9-11, what happened there, but we just remember it and we pray for the families that are survivors, etc. But there's not a lot of weight to that beyond just that remembrance. We're not running out to New York and handing out meals or giving gifts. Or You see what I'm saying? But listen to how this goes, verse 28. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So while this thing is a memorial, it's not just some ceremonial act. It's not just something we do, and it's a nice little tradition that we have, and then we move on and celebrate Easter. There's a pretty heavy, weighty deal that goes along with what we're about to do here tonight. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You need to understand when it says, take and eat, if you take and eat unworthily, that doesn't mean that you yourself... If you have something on your heart or if you, have, you, know, you miss something, you're praying and, and we're going to pray here for just, in just a minute, we're going to do some things. It does not mean if you've made a mistake and you didn't ask forgiveness, or et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't mean if you drink it unworthily. So I want you to understand, don't not take communion tonight because you think, well, I'm really struggling with something and I just haven't gotten it right. That's not what that means. By unworthily, what it means is is that you're flippantly misunderstanding and disregarding the power and the remembrance and the memorial of what we're doing for Jesus. 
okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to understand. I want you to soak in. I want you to feel the presence of God. I want you to soak in the meaning of what we're experiencing here tonight, the meaning of what happened that night as he sat there and he looked in the face of the man who he knew was going to cause him to be scourged and beaten and whipped and crucified and handed them the bread and said, I love you and I forgive you, Judas. You're my child. That's what I want you to do. If you don't do that, if you don't understand that, then you're taking it unworthily. Does that make sense? Why don't we stand tonight? Probably going to have the card taken away for this. But I want to do things a little bit differently. I've been in the church for 37 years. I've sat at the same time. I've sat in many, many of these services, enjoyed them, prayed. I remember as a young man earnestly going, God, please forgive me. If there's anything I'm not thinking of, anything, I don't want to do this wrong. I don't want to, right? And then inevitably, the pastor would say, all right, you guys, we know that we have ought with somebody we should make it right, too. We should, we should search our own heart, right? It says, examine yourself and make sure you're clean. And then the pastor would say, well, if you've got ought against somebody, you should really go to that person, right? And say, and then they'd stand and go, okay, go. And that's what they do. I never one time in 37 years saw somebody... You made me so stinking mad. I can't stand you. No. Nobody ever did it. Nobody ever moved. Now, I'm not saying, again, I just told you, that's not necessarily what that's saying by unworthily. Right, Brother Smith? It's not. But right is right, and the time is now, and the remembrance and the importance is there. And so here's what I'd like to do. We're going to do things a little bit in a reverse order. The elements are going to be last. I like to break for a time of greeting. And what I want you to do, and mix up too, don't everybody sit on, you, you south enders stay on the south and you north enders, the north siders can mix with the south siders. You midwesterners, you can do, you can get around too. Seriously, I want to take a few minutes. I care this much about you, church. I think this is meaningful and we're an important time we got to start thinking out of the box and getting a little bit out of our traditions, just a little bit. And I want you to take some time and just wander. Greet people. Say hi. And move around and mix. Nobody listen to anybody else's conversation. It ain't none of your business. Just walk around and greet one another. Smile and embrace one another. But if you just happen to encounter one person, you just happen to walk up to one person that just might be somebody there's a problem there. There was something that happened. Maybe a hurt feeling. Don't look for people to ask you for forgiveness. That's not how this works. You might be saying to yourself, I didn't do anything wrong to anybody. I'm perfectly fine. Then you're the one that should be saying, Sister Hickey, I love you. And if I hurt you, forgive me. I really mean it. That's it. That's our job, right? Pastor Meyer, do you disagree with me? 
I'm not coming to you, don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to tell you I love you, but... It's... Seriously, though, I'm drop-dead serious about this. Let's mingle together and, and, and just enjoy one another. If it's somebody you're not worried about, then just say, hey, smile, shake their hand, tell them I love you. But if you encounter that one person, and some of you may be right now thinking about that one person, don't rush over there right away. If you're on the south side and they're on the north side and you're like, it's going to be pretty obvious, <laughs> right? Just sort of mingle and wander just a little bit. Love a few people. We'll take just a few minutes. We can handle this, right? Shake a hand, hug a neck, spend a little bit of time. I'll get in the mix here too, all of you that are angry with me. Come on, I'm ready to humble myself. We're going to do that for just a little while. And what I'm hoping is that at the end of that here for just a few minutes, I'll see all of you guys somehow made it all the way over here and all of you guys made it over here. And therefore the group just sort of commingled their way through and there was a whole lot of forgiveness extended and a whole lot of appreciation. And when we're all done, we're going to feel great. And we're going to love one another. And we're going to appreciate the fact that all of our petty stuff and all of this garbage that happens and it happens amongst people all the time isn't worth a hill of beans when you stare at that, at that beautiful symbol. Say, Jesus, I am such an idiot for being angry with people and being hurt, right? Now, when we wrap that up, instead of having our elements and doing all that stuff and then coming to the altar, what we're going to do is when we wrap that up, we're all going to come to the altar and then we're going to talk to the Lord And then we're going to praise the Lord and clear our hearts and do all of that good thing. Die daily, right? And then we're going to take our elements. How about that? All right? I'll try to be in the mix, but to guide on this thing too, because otherwise we'll be here all night. All right? Jesus' name. Let's break and greet one another. How about that? Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.